with lots of time. What a throw! Robin one for the end zone. Welcome back to This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. Today, uh, we have a pretty big slate of topics. We're going to be ranking our five, our top five quarterbacks in the SEC for the 2022 season. Kirby Smart just got a massive contract extension. New rules about transferring, uh, along with Mad Dog Russo's list of the five most storied programs in college football. All that and more on This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. So, big news coming out of the SEC, coming out of Georgia. Uh, recently, Kirby Smart was given a uh, a brand new contract extension, a uh, pretty hefty one, making him the highest paid coach uh, in all of college football. 10 years, $111 million, compared to what he was making before was $71.3 million. Eric, uh, what, what, what are you kind of make of that contract especially they just won the natty um but that contract's massive it, it makes them the highest paid in all of college football what are your thoughts on that um first off i think uh he definitely deserves this contract the extension comes seven months after he guided the bulldogs to their first national championship in football since 1980 now the new deal will run through 2031 season and like you said, it'll pay Smart between $10.25 million mm-hmm. per year and $12.25 million per year per season, making him the highest paid college football coach at a public university. Um, this is a massive increase in his salary. Uh, he was previously making a little over $7 million per year, mm-hmm. uh, according to US, USA Today's salary database. But like I said, you know, this Kirby Smart's contract is a steal for the dogs. Um, a few years from now, as college football's dynamic continues to change and the money pours in, that'll be a bargain contract. So I think the dogs lock them down at a good time before those contracts get out of hand. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, it, it's definitely a well-deserved ex- extension because of how successful he's been at Georgia, the the players he's been able to recruit, and also the players he's been able to get to the NFL. I mean, they had, uh, I think, over five, five or more uh, first-round, uh, second-round picks this year with Jordan Davis. Uh, Lewis Seen, Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker. I thought N'Kobe Dean just being banged up, that hurt his draft stock. But overall, he's done an amazing job at Georgia. And it is I, I think it's a pretty cool thing to see that he's doing it at a place that he played at before. I'd love to see somebody like uh, Scott Foster do that at uh, – or Scott Frost do that at uh, Nebraska. Seeing guys come back and coach their alma mater is a cool thing. But uh, seeing Kirby have this much success is awesome. But I, I, I think – you, you brought up how the, the floodgates for the contracts going to open up, especially after this. They set the bar so high with this Kirby Smart contract. And, I mean, Jimbo Fisher was going to get a very, very big contract if he went to LSU this past offseason before, uh, before they made that deal with Brian Kelly. I think it was going to be up around $100 million for nine years uh, for Jimbo Fisher. So the bar was kind of already set, I think, with that offer now the bar really does get set with them making this official. Is there any coach that you have in mind that will be receiving an extension to this degree uh, within the, maybe the, not, not automatically, but within the next uh, say two or three seasons, a guy that'll be up for that. Uh, well, for the next couple of seasons, there's a couple of coaches that come to mind. Uh, but before I name any, let's, let's just, you know, put it out there. College football coaches are securing the bag right now. Uh, like we said, Kirby Smart, 10 years for 112.5 million. Lincoln yep. Riley just signed one for 10 years, 110 million. Uh, Brian Kelly, 10 years, 100. Mel Tucker, 10 years, 95. And mm-hmm. like you said, Jimbo Fisher, he's at 10 year, 94.95 million um, as of right now. Um, my quick answer would have been Lincoln Riley, but he just signed that deal. Um, but it's it's interesting because I I don't know. It's, these are big contracts, and these are the top coaches in all of college football. Yeah. So these are the like the no brainer names that come to mind. I'm trying to come up with a name for you right now. I'm it, getting stumped. <laughs> I think it's tough because there was a lot of movement this year with college coaches, like you mentioned, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. 
who I think would have been the two guys I would have probably named as guys that would be up for extensions if they had stuck with Oklahoma and Notre Dame, just because they they were successful, they were they were good, and now with them leaving, they kind of come off the board as guys that would get extensions because they signed long term big deals with the universities that they went to. But the Lincoln Riley contract, in my opinion, really kind of set the bar too because of all the incentives that he got with it. Um, not even monetary monetarily, he got a new house in Los Angeles. The yep. school bought his house in Oklahoma, and he got exclusive use of the private jet uh, that USC has. So there was a lot more thrown into that, which I think that's the best contract um, that somebody's got in the past few years. Money-wise, the Kirby Smart one's obviously bigger, but yeah. he, having all of that lumped in um, into that Lincoln Riley contract was crazy. But, yeah, I can't really think of any guys that would really be up for um, – massive extensions unless you see the next two or three years a team kind of come out and, and be very successful if you saw a Tennessee be very successful the next few years then I think a, a contract extension would probably be of, of that magnitude would probably be in place for a guy like Josh Heupel that would be maybe the next uh, just an example of a team a guy that's been there for a, a a little bit and would be there for after that, maybe five years, then the extension would kind of roll in, I think. Yeah. I mean, this Kirby smart contract, you know, it was due. Um, since he's been at Georgia, he's been successful. Smart has amassed a 66 and 15 record in his seven seasons at UGA following a nine year run on the Alabama staff. Mm-hmm. His debut season, he was eight and five and that was in 2016. And the Bulldogs have played in four of the past five SEC championship games. So, and they just won a national championship. So yeah. he's, I will say that he's worth every penny and it was due. The only thing that keeps coming to mind is Kirby Smart is set to make more than Nick Saban this season. And in my, my opinion, you know, everybody has their own opinion. Nick Saban is, is the best college football coach in all of college football, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in my opinion again. And Saban and his base salary, you know, he's making around nine point nine million. Mm-hmm. You know, Georgia is paying Smart ten point two five million in the first year. So the question that comes to mind is: He worth every penny? In your opinion, uh, I I think so, just because of uh, how well he's done. And like I mentioned before, you take even winning out of the, out of the equation there. The recruits that he's brought in has been very, I mean, consistent year after year in the top 10 recruiting class with four and five star guys, getting guys to the league. But the issue I think with Saban is just his age. You never know when he's going to retire. I don't think it's going to be soon. And I agree with you that there's not really any other coach in college football that compares to what Nick Saban's done. Even just the past few years, if you look at his, him at Alabama, the same time that that Kirby smart's been at Georgia, he's just been way more successful as a right. coach, Nick Saban. So that that's definitely it, w- with him being older. I think I don't think he'll get a massive extension like that. It could be four or five year extensions with good money, maybe equal money. But I don't think they'll ever give him this ten year lucrative deal like Kirby Smart just got. Because I mean, Kirby Smart's forty six. Mel yeah. Tucker's on the younger side. Lincoln Riley's very young. Even Brian Kelly's younger than Saban. So I mean. Giving those guys that type of contract makes sense just because of their age. Saban being older is uh is definitely tough, but I I, I completely agree that Saban just yearly should be paid the highest of any college football coach because of how consistent he is every year. Yeah, for sure. And you know that's not to take any, anything away from Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, in my opinion. There was a national title or bust mentality for the Georgia entering the 2021 season, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. It seemed as though they had a check was going on. You know, SEC championship, they checked it off. College football playoff big, they checked it off. Yep. National title game appearance, they checked it off. And then they took home the national championship trophy. So it's safe to say that it's a good time to be a Georgia Bulldog right now. And as long as the division still exists in the SEC – there's no sign of the Bulldogs loosening up their grip on the division anytime soon. Oh, I I, I agree, especially with the SEC being I, I, what I think is the number one conference in all of college football, just completely, just way more dominant. I mean, you saw them when they played Michigan, like the best team out of the Big Ten, 
struggled a lot against Georgia, who was the best team in the SEC. It, it's I think the SEC is miles ahead of the Big Ten, who I'd say would be the second best. So if he continues this this streak of not having losing seasons with Georgia and ones where they're always in contention to make the playoff, or if they're just in NY six bowls every year, he that money is really going to be well spent by the university. For sure. And uh, just one last thing to touch on with the contract. Mm. This is a huge message to all the recruits. You know, some coaches yeah. are always in pursuit of something bigger and better. But for Smart, there's likely nothing bigger or better in the game of football than coaching at his alma mater. If there were ever any thought amongst recruits of Smart's long-term relationship with the UGA Bulldogs, this contract simply clears that all up. And, you know, they've been recruiting at a high level thus far. With recruits, seeing that, you know, he signed this 10-year deal, Mm -hmm. you're a college football player for three to five years. He's going to be there for the next two recruiting cycles. So I think that the UGA Bulldogs recruiting is going to go through the roof. And, you know, they're going to keep competing for championships, whether it's conference or nationals. And um, I feel like the UGA Bulldogs are in great shape, like I stated before. And you brought up a really good point with that recruits can trust him being there, especially you throw in that that wrinkle that he is coaching at his alma mater. There's a lot of guys in college football. Two I can name off the top of my head are Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin. You can't really trust those guys to stick around wherever they are because they've bounced around so much in the past. Like Kiffin had a good good maybe year or two at FAU, bounces bounces around. Was at USC, bounces around. Grant and that that also comes with controversy following those two guys as well. Kirby Smart, you haven't heard really any controversy, so he really does seem like if you're a, a five-star recruit getting recruited, you want to play for one of those two guys in either Nick Saban or in Kirby Smart because it seems like they're going to stay put wherever they are for the next – or for at least when you're going to be a college football player along with their, they've been very successful at what they do. So it, it feels like the recruiting won't stop for, for Georgia just because of this new extension. And while I'm not a, a, a wildly big fan of Georgia – as an Notre Dame guy, I, I do – it is – they were a very fun team to watch this year. It was fun watching Jordan Davis. It was fun watching Devontae Wyatt. Stetson Bennett was a blast to watch, and that, that team was led by Kirby Smart. So I am – it is good to see this extension for him. Yeah, for sure. You know, as a football recruit, the only thing that you really want besides a good career is having that relationship with the coach. And that's, you know, when you get recruited out of high school, the coach that recruited you is going to be there. Um, I was a, a former college football player in a school that I initially went to. The head coach left. And, you know, now I was stuck in that that attitude of if I'm still wanted or not. So, right, like you said, being that head coach who's locked in for 10 years is huge. And um, there's just positive things going on for the Bulldogs in the future. And like you said, they were fun to watch last mm-hmm. year. That defense was flying around. To be honest with you, I thought they would lose to Alabama in the national championship, but they pulled it off, and it was exciting to see. So I look forward to watching them this upcoming season. Yeah, that front seven that they had was just – like that was the most fun I had watching defense in college football the, the past probably five years just because of how dominant everybody was. I mean, you had the number one overall pick at, at one of your DNs, two, two I think, yeah, first-round defensive tackles, two mm-hmm. linebackers that could have been both first-round picks. So yep. and then you had Lewis seen at, at uh, safety. I mean that that defense flew around like crazy. It was just it was fun to watch them beat up on SEC teams and especially good <laughs> SEC teams as well. Right, right. It's, it'd be interesting to see because, like you said, they lost a lot. So mm-hmm. a lot of young players will have to step up. And, you know, there maybe are some juniors that couldn't see the field last year because of those first round draft picks. So yep. Um, if that defense doesn't lose a step, that goes to show you how good those coaches really are. Definitely. So kind of kind of sticking on topic uh, with the SEC, um, we're going to rank our top five SEC quarterbacks coming into the 2022 season. Uh, it's a very strong division when you look at who's playing quarterback uh, for a lot of these teams. You have the returning Heisman winner. Then you have the returning national champion quarterback, along with a lot of guys that I think are going to be in contention for the Heisman trophy this year. Um, so it, we'll, we'll both give our number ones. I, I I don't know if we're going to be in lockstep, but I feel like we are with who the number one guy is in Bryce Young. 
Yeah, for sure. Bryce Wynn has to be your number one quarterback yeah. in the SEC. Not even in the SEC, but in all of college football, unless you want to go with C.J. Stroud. But right. I have Bryce Young, my number one SEC quarterback. You know, he has the unique challenge of trying to become the second player to win the Heisman Trophy twice after a 2021 season, which he threw for over 4,800 yards and 47 mm. touchdowns, so only seven interceptions. So I thought the number one quarterback was was easy. Um, it may get interesting between two and five, but, yes, Bryce Young is my number one. Yeah, especially you brought it up. It, there is a very good argument to be made. He's not just the best in the SEC, but the best in the nation. Personally, I, I really like – if I'm picking the Heisman for my way-too-early Heisman, I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. I just like the weapons he has coming back. But if, if Bryce Young wins it again, I won't be shocked because, I mean, in his first year, he throws for over 4,800 yards and over 45 touchdowns. I mean, there there's a very good possibility he breaks through that threshold of 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns this season, which would be – just an absolutely ludicrous year and, and would be very, a very cool thing to see. Um, it, it, again, like I mentioned, in the best conference in all of college football. So, yeah, number one feels very solidified, but that two to five range is a tough one. Do you want to give who you have at number two? Yeah, I, I'll go off with my number two on my list. Um, my number two was number three, mm-hmm. and then I had to swap with my new number three, for I'll, I'll get to that a little later, but my number two quarterback in the SEC is Hending Hooker out of Tennessee, senior. Uh, Hooker was beaten out by fellow transfer Joe Mil- Milton during the preseason last year, but he took over the reins in week two and never gave him up. He's a Virginia Tech transfer. He passed for almost 3,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, only three interceptions, yep. while also adding – over 600 yards rushing and nine more scores. Yeah, I I actually also have Hendon Hooker at number two. There you Uh, go. I kind of wrestled with that a little bit. There was a guy that I wanted to put it to, but I just looked at their stats kind of over the last year and just how they played. I had to put Hooker at two. Um, And and he he was remarkably efficient. You bring up that three interceptions is, I think of all his numbers, the most impressive that he threw only three picks while also getting sacked 36 times. So when you're under that much pressure and you only throw three interceptions, that's pretty insane. So putting him here, I, I've after really thinking about it today, I have no qualms about that. And he's also very good on his legs too. Um, rushed for over yeah. 600 yards and, and five touchdowns last year. Um, yeah. So with him being the clear-cut number one in Tennessee, I, I think that he could really be a Heisman dark horse player along with mm-hmm. push Bryce Young. I don't think anybody's going to touch him for that number one, but could push very close to being that number number one quarterback, like a 1B situation. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, everybody knows Bryce Young in the SEC, but Hooker actually had the highest passing rating in the SEC last season. Mm-hmm. And like we already touched on, his 31 touchdowns, the three interceptions ratio, it actually marked the best ratio in the FBS amongst quarterbacks with at least 200 pass attempts. So he's very efficient. He's a good leader. He has the numbers, and he he's battle adversity. You know, with that quarterback battle, he's losing it initially, but you know, stay poised and stay true to his game, and had a great season last year. All right, moving on to number three, I have uh, the guy that I wanted to put here, but I just I, I couldn't put him above Hooker is Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Okay. Um, you know, while his numbers didn't jump off the the jump at you, um. This past season, I thought him coming in as a transfer from Penn State, where he was kind of in Sean Clifford's uh, shadow a little bit. Uh, Penn State never really budged and would never played Will uh, Levis that much, which I thought was a mistake. He really broke out at Kentucky and kind of made them a very fun team to watch as well this year. Uh, they they had a fun team a few years ago, that Lynn Bowden, Cash Daniels team, but this Kentucky team with him at the helm was super entertaining. He passed for 2,800 yards and 24 touchdowns. Did have 13 picks, but he's also, I think, one of the biggest threats in the nation when he gets running because he's not a guy that's just going to slide or or try to juke you out. He'll either run through you or jump over you. There's a lot that Will Levis can do, and with him kind of coming into his second year with Kentucky, I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable and, and kind of find his groove a lot, a lot earlier than he did uh, in 2021. 
Yeah, I mean, this is where things get tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a different number three. Who and, do you got? Uh, we got Spencer Rattler. Really? Um, yeah, I got Rattler number three. You know, just he, he's a former Oklahoma quarterback, as we all know. Transferred to South Carolina in January. He was a top five transfer in the portal after passing for more than 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns in 25 games with the Sooners. Uh, before the season started last year, he was a potential Heisman winner, you know, first round pick. And things didn't go as planned for him. And they had the five star quarterback right behind him and Caleb Williams, where everybody was chanting for him, rooting for him. They want him to get in the game. And, you know, unfortunately, Rattler, had a, he was turnover prone early in the season. Mm-hmm. But, man, you, if you just watch the film, like, the tools are all there. You know, he has good numbers for only 25 games in college football. And he wasn't, you know, a Heisman hopeful and uh, a number one NFL draft pick potentially for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it's hard for me to write off Rattler uh, just because he got benched for a couple of turnovers where, you know, Lincoln Riley was put in a tough position. I felt like he felt like he needed to pick Caleb Williams in, especially after he came in that third and short and broke the long touchdown yep. run against um, Texas. It was like, all right, we have to keep this guy in. He's hot. And he had the swagger. He had the confidence where Rattler's confidence, you know, it was, it was dwindling. But, you know, I'm not writing off writing off Rattler one bit. Um, the mechanics is there. The zip on the ball is there. The touch is there. He's not the most mobile quarterback, but he can get the job done. And I see big things from this season at USC, um, mm-hmm. South Carolina. And, yeah, he's my number three quarterback. Yeah, my big I, – I like Rattler. I just – I struggle with putting him in the top three mm-hmm. um, just because of how little we saw him just the, the back end of last season. He kind of got forgotten about. And, and especially I, I kind of forgot about him too a little bit. Um, when the offseason rolled around, just because of how well Caleb Williams played, it, it that added insult to injury for him getting benched, uh, I, I believe. So that, that was a tough one. But I think South Carolina is going to be, I think, a pretty dangerous team in the SEC with him at quarterback. But, yeah, number three, I got to ride with uh, Levis, but I don't hate Rattler there. Yeah. Um, it, it's just tough after not seeing much of him. But it, how crazy is it that Oklahoma had – Going into the 2021 season, one of the Rattler was regarded as one of the nation's best quarterbacks, and then you had a five star off the bench, and now you have neither of those guys. Crazy, <laughs> that's to go show you how recruiting is in college football. You know, mm-hmm. one year you could have two five stars, I'm pretty sure their third string was you know, no less than a four star, yeah. And after 12 games, it's all over, you're starting from the ground up. It, um, it- Wild, it's crazy. All right. Um. So you've got Young, Hooker, and Rattler as your uh, top three right now. I got Young, Hooker, and Levis in my top three. Who are you putting in that number four spot? My number four was Will Levis. You know, I okay. I, I didn't forget about Levis one bit. You know, I'm just a Rattler fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and how he plays, and you know, I know he's going through some adversity, but I still believe in him. But Will Levis is my number four quarterback, arguably top three. Um, like you said, last year was his first year in Lexington after transferring from Penn State. Um, he he played really good, twenty eight over twenty eight hundred yards, twenty four touchdowns. Um, he could stand to improve upon his thirteen interceptions, mm-hmm. but you know he has the prototypical size at six three, two hundred twenty two pounds, and the tools. And Levis is actually now widely projected as a first round pick in the twenty three NFL draft. Yeah, um, he ranked eighth in the SEC in total yards per game last season. But, you know, just looking at his numbers, it, it kind of, you know, I, I didn't want to put him in my top three with 13 interceptions, even right. though the, the stats are still there. It was his first year after transferring, but um, he's my number four for now. He can very well move up to number two after the season. Uh, but, yeah, right now I have Will Levis at number four. Yeah, w- w- with Levis, it, it, when, I, when you watch him play, he just th- – Throws such a pretty ball. You just get such a nice zip on it. Uh, and like you said, that prototypical size. I think this could be more of a guy that maybe isn't a top four guy in his conference, but could also be a very good college quarterback. I mean, you see that a lot and kind of vice versa as well. A guy that's very good in college, 
doesn't pan out in the NFL like a, a Sam Bradford or a Case Keenum. So right. it, it, it is there. There is a lot of differences, and over the past few years, I've realized that with guys that are surefire players in college aren't going to be the next NFL stars, and, and that kind of swaps too. It just it all depends the system you're in and kind of where you end up in the NFL. So yeah, I, I do that Levis at at four. I I, I like that. Um, I have in my four spot a guy that you can't disrespect after, even though he had a very good defense in 2021, mm. did lead his team to a national title. Okay. I got to go with uh, the old man, Stetson Bennett. Um, okay. Just when you – a lot of the credit goes to their defense, and rightfully so, but taking them to the, the national championship with good weapons around them and being able to utilize those weapons in uh, – I, I think that their biggest weapon was their their true freshman tight end last year in uh Brock Brow- Brock Bowers. Um and, and he gets him back this year, but he also threw for twenty eight hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns, only seven picks. He's pretty efficient overall. And I just think this year it's not much is gonna change. He still has good weapons around him and will that defense will get revamped. It obviously won't be what it was. Uh, this past year, but he's still in a very good system. He's comfortable in that system. And a guy that wins a natty, you can't, I, I don't think you can keep him out of the top five. Yeah, I'm not mad at Stetson Bennett being your number four whatsoever. He's, he's a champion. Mm-hmm. You know, his legacy in Athens is secure. Um, like you said, he gets, sometimes he gets little to no credit for helping engineer that Bulldogs national championship run a season ago. But, you know, he has a story that everybody loves. You know, undersized, former walk-on, uh, just grinding it out. He, he actually started at Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, transferred to JUCO, then came back to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's, he's a good quarterback for sure. He got the job done. You, you can't just throw anybody at quarterback and expect them to win, even if they do have the best defense in the country. So right. I do give him credit for helping engineer that team to that national championship. And I'm not mad at him being at your number four. He actually was one of my guys who just missed out mm-hmm. of my top five. But he was definitely in consideration for that three to five range. All right. Number five, the last slot on the board here. Um, I, I was I wrestled between actually three guys between Rattler in this five spot, um, mm-hmm. between Anthony Richardson from uh Florida. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Will Rogers from Will uh, Rogers. Mississippi State, a guy that put up big numbers last year um, and, and kind of flew under the radar, you know, with Bryce Young stealing the show. Will Levis coming in as a transfer and kind of playing pretty well. Um, and, and especially this offseason with Rattler transferring it has taken over the news a little bit. And along with Stetson Bennett going to the, the national championship and winning it. I mean, Will Rogers put up over 4,700 yards, 36 touchdowns and nine interceptions with uh, a 147 overall uh, QB rating. That That's very good in the best conference in college football. Not very efficient when he's running the ball, but you don't need that if your guy's putting up numbers to that magnitude. I, I think he's going to be very good this year. Mississippi State's not typically a very good team. So, again, I think Will Rogers may slide under the radar again. I think he could put up another good season. But Mississippi State just may be may not be very good. I think might be his issue when it comes to recognition. Yeah, Will Rogers at number five <laughs> is is right there. You know, he was the trigger man for a Mike Leach's air raid offense. Mm. Uh, he set the SEC record for completions last year at five hundred and five, and like you said, he threw for over forty seven hundred yards and thirty six touchdowns. Those numbers are outstanding especially being in an SEC. It's not like he's in the Mac throwing those type of numbers. Right. He's in, you know, the top of the top, the best of the best. Um, he actually was my 5B. So okay. I guess you can say he, he didn't make my top five. Yeah. Uh, but Will Rogers, like you said, he's definitely slept on. Those numbers are crazy. When I was looking at the stats, I'm like, wow, I got to watch this kid. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, some of the – uh, some of his analysis on, on his game that I saw that made him 5B instead of 5A was um, that somebody said that he throws the ball. He doesn't throw the ball downfield a great deal, mm. preferring to, you know, to do check downs or killing opposing defenses 
by, you know, doing underneath routes, which there's yep. nothing wrong with that. Get the ball to your receivers, get the playmaker's hands, make it happen. But um, at my number five, I had to go with K.J. Jefferson out of Arkansas. I like that. So no one in the SEC shoulders more of his offensive team, his team's offensive load than Jefferson, mm-hmm. who led the Razorbacks in rushing attempts, yards, and touchdowns, while also throwing for over 2,600 yards and 21 touchdowns to just four interceptions. Mm-hmm. Now, with Traylon Burks off to the NFL, he'll have to progress even more as a passer. But, you know, Jefferson is like that spark plug. He's a veteran mobile quarterback who led the rest the Razorbacks, like I said, in rushing yards and was fourth in the league in QBR last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you take Will Rogers over K.J. Jefferson, I wouldn't be mad at you because I almost did it, you know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he shouldered so much of that offensive team and he did so much, you know, without him, Razorbacks probably would have stunk last year. Oh, yeah. And, and so, he made them, like, a palatable watch and made them actually, I think, a pretty fun team to watch. And they're a team that have been very bad, kind of a, uh, in the mix of a laughing stock of the SEC, like a Vanderbilt the past few years. Mm-hmm. And he really turned them around. He got them to, to I believe, third in the West last year. So it, it's a, a very – he, like you said, he shouldered a lot of the load and did a, a very good job. And I'm kind of excited that he's coming back this year. For sure. I mean, just to go through my list one more time, you know, I, Bryce Young was my number one. Mm-hmm. Eden Hooker was my number two. Spencer Rattler was my, you know, questionable three to the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Will Will for Kentucky was four. KJ Jefferson was five. And then my guys who just missed my top five, were guys that you had in yours. Will Rogers yep. was on my just missed. Stetson Bennett was on my just missed. And one guy that we briefly said his name was Anthony Richardson from mm-hmm. Florida. Those are my guys who just missed out. Yeah. I, I'm I'm looking at KJ Jefferson. He is massive. 6'3, 245 is huge for a quarterback. So that yeah. That, that's another thing I think that helps him with rushing. He's got kind of a Cam Newton size build. So he's a, a threat in every facet of the game when he when he's under center so uh, again i'm i think arkansas might be a team i'm real excited to watch this year more i'll tune into more of their games uh when i when i can this season just to see him play yeah for sure and you know they're going to hurt a little bit losing their you know first round draft pick and trailing burks but kj jefferson he he's versatile enough to get the job done his like he has to be a better passer you know he had 2600 yards but the Mm -hmm. fact that you're using your wide receiver one will hurt but they just got a transfer wide receiver from Oklahoma, um, Hasselwood, I believe it was, Jaden mm-hmm. Hasselwood. So, you know, he has a new a target to throw to, but he's pretty good quarterback. Like you said, good size, ran for 600 yards, and has that Cam Newton look to him. So kind of kind of segueing over, um, I, I think it was like a week ago, uh, Mad Dog Russo gave his top five most storied programs in college football. Oh, and God. Really caused the stir. Um, so I'll kind of run through the list quick and then we'll get into it. So he put Oklahoma at number five, USC at number four, Alabama at number three, Michigan at number two, and Notre Dame at number one. Now, <laughs> at first glance, what is what is your main issue? What What is the one issue that if you had the opportunity to talk to Mad Dog, what, what are you immediately picking out? Immediately, I'm picking out the same thing that Ryan Clark and Dave picked out. Why isn't Alabama your number one? You know, yeah, maybe it's not everybody's number one, but in my mind, Alabama is number one when you look at the number. No, yep. like Ryan Clark said, no one cares about what happened in 1910. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, most of his footage or his argument was in black and white, right. you know. Alabama has the most titles, the most weeks ranked at number one. It has dominance in all errors. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that jumps out at me. Yeah, I. so I, it, it is tough for me. I'm a big note. Me and my dad, big Notre Dame fans, grew up watching them. But I do agree with that where I would put kind of – I'd bump Alabama to number one of the list and kind of bump the other teams down, Notre Dame at two, Mi- Michigan at three. But okay. like like you mentioned, Alabama's just been so dominant decade after decade. And if you're going by kind of Mad Dog's logic, then Princeton should be on this list. Where if you're right. really digging back in the archive, and that is 
kind of your driving force behind why you're putting a team at number one. You should have Princeton and Yale and Rutgers in, in this top five and, and kick Michigan, Alabama, and USC out of it. That that That's really, I think, the biggest issue is when you're really looking too much in into the past. But, uh, yeah, I, I do agree with Alabama should be number one. I mean, you had two of the greatest, I think, coach 1A and 1B in all time of college football with Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Those guys have accounted for together over 10 titles at Alabama. It, it really is ridiculous, but only those two guys alone have done for that program. And I also think something that be, should be taken into consideration is guys that get put in the NFL. Alabama has put in countless players to the NFL that especially the past 10 years, they always they always seem to have guys going in the first round, multiple guys every year. So Alabama at number one, I think you and I are in lockstep here where they should be at number one. Yeah, and I agree with you saying, you know, put Alabama number one and bump everyone down mm-hmm. for the most part. Like after watching that segment and, you know, and they had to take a couple aspirin to, you know, <laughs> swallow what he was <laughs> arguing about. I, I made my own top five, and Alabama was my number one. Notre Dame was my number two. Okay. And another big thing that stuck out to me was, where is Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I would – I would. I mean, there, if you looked at it, I think people would bump maybe USC or Oklahoma out. I would take Michigan out and put Ohio State in over them. Yeah, yeah I had uh, Ohio State three. Mm-hmm. And four or five – was between the trio of teams, Oklahoma, USC, and Michigan, wherever you want to pick okay. four and five. But, but my top three was Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I reordered my my top five. I had Alabama one, Notre Dame two, Ohio State three. Right. Uh, I had USC at four, and I had Texas at five. Okay, um, Texas, I, okay. Even though like, I, I do not like Texas, I just respect that. When you also look at story, you have to look at the cultural phenomenon that Texas football is that they've built up such a cult-esque following. And year after year, it doesn't matter how bad a team could be, they they seem to, to take over the news cycle. But they've also been very good along with the years where they've been very bad. And, right. again, they're a team that has players that have a lot of name recognition, especially Colt McCoy of the 2000s, and then even a guy like Sam Ellinger, as much as he was hated and wasn't super successful. I think yeah. at Texas, he really was a, a household name when it came to college football. So I would put I'd throw Texas in at that that five, but you could all I I would be open to the argument of having Oklahoma or Michigan in at that five slot. Yeah, Texas was definitely one that didn't come to mind, mm-hmm. and I agree with you that Texas tradition, even though as of late it has been poorly, you know, but we're looking at a full body work. Yeah, Texas deserves deserves that nomination, you yeah. know, whether it's their five or six, but I feel like we're in, in agreement with the top four. We're at Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and you put USC at four, right? Yes. So, yeah, the top four, is, I feel like it should be unanimous for most mm-hmm. college football minds, and five can be argued. But, um, yeah, even just looking at the numbers, as he was going down his list, you know, when it came to titles, Heisman winners, and All-Americans, Alabama has the most titles at 16. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame was second with 13. How does a Michigan go to number two with nine against a 16 at Alabama? Especially, even if I'm, I'm fine with the argument about Notre Dame not being as successful. Um, not, I mean, they, they're not nearly as successful as Alabama the past 15 years. But, mm-hmm. I mean, even Michigan hasn't been able to really hold Notre Dame's jock when it comes to, to success in the past 15 years. Notre right. Dame has multiple playoff appearances. Michigan has one where they got throttled by Georgia, the, who would go on to win the national championship. Notre Dame did get beat in all of their playoff games, which is fine, but they've been more successful in the modern era than Michigan. They're more successful when you look back into the black and white tapes, and even between the 90s and 70s, Notre Dame's yeah. more successful. So, I mean, I think that Alabama's solidified one, Notre Dame the solidified two, and I just don't see – Michigan, if you want to go really incorporate the modern success, I don't really think that they should be above USC, Oklahoma, or even Texas. I I just think it's tough to put them on here. Yeah. Like, it's just interesting to see that, 
while Ohio State doesn't have as many total wins mm-hmm. or national titles as their rival in Michigan, mm-hmm. the Buckeyes recently passed the Wolverines in an impressive mark of excellence. You know, in 2019, Ohio State reached the overall one percentage. Now, I did my research because he had me mad. <laughs> yeah. In 2019, Ohio State reached the overall one percentage of 73% as a program, which is mm-hmm. tied for the best mark among those that have won at least 900 games. You know, the program is also closing the gaps in terms of total wins in the category in which they rank second all time. Now, if I'm a head coach and I have a game coming up, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, whether it's this decade, last decade, or two decades ago, you know, I feel like I'm fearing that Ohio State game mm-hmm. more than the Michigan game. I I, I do I, I agree with that. That it's that's not a I don't think an outrageous thing to say there. Um and, and especially I, I think Ohio State just has a meaner look to them in general. Their program seems meaner than Michigan. Everything about them has like that Darth Vader feel a little bit, where you yeah. definitely fear Ohio State more than you do Michigan. Yeah, and even, you know, recruits recruits are even seeing this. You know, Ohio State ha- has, what, 16 five-star wide receivers committed to them right now? It, it, you know? Brian Hartline is a machine when it comes to, to bringing great receivers into, into Ohio State. It, it's wild. Monster. Monster. So I, I did see when I was reading, I, I read a few stories about the, the Mad Dog Russo list. The, a lot of people had some complaints of, a common theme I saw was, People wanted more SEC representation. Are there any SEC teams that you would really slot in there? I mean, it doesn't sound like it. And I, I kind of uh, – I don't think there are many that you can make the argument for. Do you have any uh, argument for a team or two that could possibly crack into that five spot? Um, LSU maybe. Yeah. Um, But not really. Georgia. Georgia. You know, I guess schools that come to mind, Georgia, not really. I mean, they're been really good as of late, but as a full body of work, I wouldn't pit them in that discussion as of yet. Uh, I feel like LSU has a better chance. The one I, I'd say would be Florida. Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah. If you were to make the argument, but like it, it's very tough when you look at what storied programs are and, and kind of the ones that we've talked about that should be in the mix we didn't even bring up any SEC ones. So that's where I find it very tough is, you know, they, they, they won, they've won three national titles. Um, and, and a lot of them just don't compare to what these Oklahoma's or Texas's or Michigan's or Ohio state's bring to the table. Yeah. That's, that is interesting that, you know, the SEC is considered the best conference mm-hmm. in all of college football. But when we are looking at, you know, whole body work, of from the beginning of time to present day, you know, there that weight isn't held as strong overall as as in present day. You know, the only fighting yeah. team is Alabama. And that is interesting to, to see. Like I wonder when did that change begin, you know? Um because if you're a high school football player, you won't go to Ohio State now. But right. 20, 30 years ago, it was the Notre Dames of the world. As in Notre Dame still pulls their fair share of five stars and four stars anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess back in the day, Notre Dame was considered the top dog, you know, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like SEC, SEC is the Georgias, Alabamas, yeah. um, Florida's, Georgias, a- Texas A&M. So it's, it's crazy to see that if you really break it down to that, that all these SEC programs that are running the show in present day, you know, when it comes to being a story program, I guess their resume doesn't speak as well. Yeah. Um, so our final topic that we have here is the, the new transfer rule that when I read it, I completely, I, I completely uh, bungled what I thought it was. I thought it was restricting transferring. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all, uh, all aboard for this. Like this, this would be great. And then when mm-hmm. I, actually read into it, I was like, oh, this is, I think, not good for for the sport. It essentially makes transferring more like free agency where you're going to see a lot of guys be able to transfer and play automatically. So uh, uh, 
first thoughts when you saw that? What what was kind of running through your mind seeing something a new a new rule kind of get instated like this? The first thing that came to my mind was to get ready to see athletes play for four schools in four years when the NCAA approves this new transfer rules next month. I think it's it's bad for college football. You know, for a player to be at one school one, one year, the next year jump to another school, the next year jump to another school, it's, it's crazy. You know, I feel like my thoughts were around the same as Texas A&M, Jimbo Fishers. You know, a kid can go at, as, to as many schools as he wants and doesn't have to graduate. That's crazy to think that. Because kids aren't going to graduate if you keep going to school to school to school. Credits, right. some credits may not be transferred over, you know, which is another, you know, another optical to go through because are these kids going to be eligible? Yeah, it, it, that that's a good point, too. It's something I didn't even consider and something that the athletes aren't going to consider. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just... I think a rule like this will take away everything I love about college football where the game feels so much more pure than the NFL because kids right. commit to play for a school and, you know, that's their school for, for before what seemed to be four years, then transferring started to work its way in more and more and became more prominent. And even with the, with it growing, you were still okay with it, but now it's going to become like the wild west where, like you said, kids are going to play. We're going to see, a handful of kids right off the rip play for four different schools. And I, I'm just not a fan of that whatsoever because it it, it instills that mentality of the, the pick up your ball and go home where, Oh, you're not getting right. playing time. You're not going to, you you don't like the coach that you have um, at, at your first school. All right. I'm going to transfer. Oh, you don't like the coach you have at your, the school you're at now. You might have a QB competition. You might uh, not like some of the guys in the locker room when you transfer now. Every little hiccup that happens with a college football player now is going to cause them to transfer. It just willy nilly, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's going to be sad to see because you know none of these young kids will go through adversity anymore because they can just pick up their ball, like you said, and go home. You know, if you really think about it and break it down, some of the best athletes in the world have all gone through adversity. Yes, let's think about it. Michael Jordan. You know, the cliche, he got cut from his varsity team. Mm-hmm. You know, that's adversity. He didn't just get up and transfer high schools. He yeah. fought through it. He played on JV, was averaging 40. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, he went through that adversity. Kobe Bryant, you know, he got drafted to the NBA. And that first, whole first year, he sat the bench. It was adversity, mm-hmm. you know. And my last example was Tom Brady. Yeah. He wasn't a star player at Michigan. He, he, he was – part-time starter his senior year. But, you know, the adversity that all three of those guys went through, you know, I feel like it created a fire in them to become the players that they're known to be. Mm-hmm. And with this role being changed, it's taken away from a player's development. Adversity is part of a player's development, believe it or not. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so against this role if they pass it because, you know, everybody, everyone needs to go through that adversity. You know, if you get something in life, and you didn't work hard for it, or you didn't sacrifice for it, nine times out of ten, it's not worth it. But if you, you know, have bumps and scratch and bruises and finally get what you need, get what you want, that reward, it tastes that much better. It feels that much better that you got it. So I think this role is not – it's going gonna, it's gonna to harm these players' development in college football as a whole. Yeah, it, it, recruit the, the transferring kind of started to disgust me when uh, the Luke Ford story became prominent where he wanted to transfer back to Illinois – or, or to Illinois, I should say, um, from Georgia because he wanted his grandfather to see him play for, for the last time in person before he passed away due to cancer. And the NCAA, NCAA blocked that um, and were, were like, oh, you can't be eligible right away. But then simultaneously, Tate Martell is transferring all over all over the, <laughs> the, the nation. Everywhere he wants to go, he's able to transfer and is eligible immediately. So that's why I initially was pretty disgusted with the NCAA and their handling of recruiting. And now you implement this. It's just, it's not something I'm looking forward to. And it's going to not kill college football, but really throw a wrench in how people felt about it prior. It's going to make it uh, less palatable. And I think a little bit more confusing as well for the average fan. They're going to be, the if you're just an average Texas fan, 
you're going to be a little confused why guys are leaving left and right. It's not going to make sense to the average fan, not somebody that's really um, tuned into college football. So I, I, I just, I'm overall not a fan, really, really do hate this. Yeah, as a, you know, as a fan, like you say, it's, it's not going to be as exciting when, when your team has this freshman quarterback step in the game and, you know, your team start out 0-4 and wins off straight eight games. Now your team finishes 8-4 and for the season, goes to a bowl game, and you're thinking to yourself, like, wow, we had this guy for three more years. Yep. Now it's like, if I got this freshman quarterback who does that, I'm scared because he's not going to be here anymore. He's going to transfer somewhere crazier or to a better school. Yep. So, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks in that aspect, too, as a fan that, you know, each year you might have a whole new different team. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going it's going to be a little bit like in baseball, like the bought versus built mentality and same in basketball. You see it, mm-hmm. especially with NIL being as prominent as it is now, that is going to play a major factor in guys playing for four teams over four years where you're going to see a guy maybe commit as a three star to a, 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 a mid-level uh, competition school, like a Nebraska or a, uh, I'm trying to think like a, an NC state, something like that. Really have a good year, and then an NIL deal pops up in Texas or at Alabama or at Florida, and they're completely jumping ship. Or and then that doesn't pan out for them at whatever school they're at. They they go and seek better things or a better fit. Now they're on their third school. It's just going to be absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, especially with NIL playing a major factor. Yeah, when NIL first came out you know I'm like wow this is going to affect smaller schools mm-hmm. in the recruiting stages because you know you're a four if you're a four-star and you may have been considering your home state team say you're from Maryland yeah you're considering Maryland and NIL came out well I can get one million if I go to Alabama mm-hmm. I come back home whenever I want I'm going to Alabama you know but now yeah. that this rule might come in, into play Small schools don't have a chance now. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe that small school snuck in that that three star who was a late bloomer. Well, mm-hmm. if he's a late bloomer, as soon as he starts getting those stats and yards and film, you're going to lose him the next year. So I thought nil affected the small schools. Man, this this rule is going to really affect them, and they they won't have a chance anymore. Yeah, it, it, it's. It, it's not something I'm looking forward to, and something I hope kind of the NCAA sees how it plays out and they end up phasing it out in a few years, but bringing it in is just, I, I think a death wish for some programs and just for the, the purity that college football has. Yeah. It's, it's going to be rough to see. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's it's, def, it's definitely going to be rough. <laughs> that's all I got to say is like, I can't believe they're passing this type of rule. It's crazy. But uh, that's all I got. Anything else from you, Eric? Um, no, you know, uh, if you guys who, who tuned in, you know, keep watching, keep following us on all platforms. We're going to continue to keep on pushing out content each week. Um, comment below some topics you want us to go over or, you know, send us a tweet on Twitter. But yeah, we're all having fun with this and um, I'm looking forward for the next episode. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Week in College Football presented by CFB Talk Daily.